Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Well, good morning, everybody. We're here again to talk with another fellow entrepreneur and try to figure out how to make this, uh, what makes entrepreneurs tick and how do we roll. So I'm here at Glenn Harper, Harper & Company with uh, Julie Smith. Hi, Julie. Hi, Glenn. So we had a problem with the coffee this morning. Espresso machine was down. That's Julie's secondary job to be the barista, and that just didn't work. So I didn't get mine. She didn't get hers. So we're going to do the best we can today. Uh, we're joined with uh, Janelle Sakura. She is a consultant from All Things Marketing. She's joining us from sunny Florida, and uh, we're happy to have her, and we're really excited to hear what she has to say today. Hi, Janelle. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Hey, Julie. Thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be fun. Well, that's the goal. That's the goal. So uh, we uh, came across Janelle, gosh, it's been, what, six months ago, give or take? Maybe it's a little funny. bit more. Oh, my. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you meet people, you have a, uh, you're like, oh, okay, I think we can work with this person. It'll be fine. And sometimes it just hits you and you're like, wow, this person's got things going on. And I felt uh, Janelle was that way. I, I suspect you felt the same thing. Glenn, I think I told you that, but you can take the thunder for that one. Hey, I do the best <laughs> I can. But uh, it was just an amazing to hear a fresh perspective on how things work. So Janelle, tell us, you know, what is your company and what do you do? Yeah. So, uh, you know what? I don't, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, so I, I love marketing. I, you know, I guess by trade, if you will, I've been a salesperson for 28 years, but, um, I've always been really drawn to content and I've never been that salesperson, right? That person that's really salesy, pushy. And what I've been a lot more successful doing is being able to build a story and, what I do is I, I work on um, building sales funnels for um, specifically accounting firms. I work with a lot of accounting firms. I build sales funnels and I help them tell their brand story. Um, I also see oversee marketing for a, um, a software startup. So I'm all things marketing. And the core of that is being able to tell a story and draw your, your um, prospective clients into that story. Is there a difference between selling a product or a service or is it the same kind of story thing or how, how does that work for you? It sounds like you just chose the service side, but does that work mm-hmm. the same? Um, I think it does. I, I don't think it matters really what you're selling. I think it matters the problem that you're solving, to be honest. So um, is it is uh, is the problem generally when you're trying to sell a product or service for someone is trying to define from that person what is it they're really trying to sell because what they mm-hmm. think they're trying to sell is generally not what they're selling, right? Yeah, but I think it goes a little bit further than that. I think you really have to understand your your customers and what their, you know, what what problems do they have that you're trying to solve? 
Um, and are you listening to them? And do you do you have the right solution? And even a step beyond that, if you're listening to a client you think is a great prospect and you don't have the solution for them, how can you still serve them and add value? Because someday they might need what you're selling, whether that's a product or a service. So does that mean that uh, you're basically having to help the client evolve? Because again, it seems like most people want to start out selling A and all of a sudden they find out that clients really didn't want A, they wanted B, C, D, E, and F. Is that what you see, that yeah. evolution? 100%. Yeah. So what's really interesting, so I've been an entrepreneur for many years. Um, I've had my share of um, falling down and scraping my knee and getting up. And um, you know, for, for a while, I worked for a large um, software company. And what was really interesting to your point there, Glenn, is every day I was out working with um, accounting firms and they were mid-sized accounting firms. And what we were, you know, what we were selling wasn't necessarily solving the biggest problems those accounting firms had. So, you know, I found myself talking to these firms about, you know, where is your pain? Where are your bottlenecks? What, you know, this is a, this is a profession in the middle of a massive transition right now. Where's your pain? And, you know, I think I kind of had to not reinvent myself, but really pivot what my own professional brand was about. Um, and it, it really kind of catapulted my entrepreneurial journey as well to go, you know, out and, and really solve some of these critical business issues that were out there that, you know, I, I was working for a company that I didn't feel was necessarily solving the issues I could add value to solve. Uh, accountants, that sounds horrible to deal with them. Uh, I don't know how you found motivation <laughs> from that, but gosh, God love you. That's great. Um, cause that's a tough nut to crack. Um, did, did, when you started talking to accounts, was it more like, well, these people just can't get out of their own way? Or was it more like, hey, these people really need help? Or did you just kind of like get what they needed and they couldn't articulate? Well, you know what? I've been, I've been working with accountants for years. Um, and so I think what fascinates me about the profession is that it's in the middle of this massive transition, right? So you've got a lot of firms that have been doing things the same way over and over again for the last 30, 40 years. I actually went to school to be an accountant. That's what I thought I was, the path I what? thought I was going to go down. That's a whole other story. Quitter. That's a great story, by the way. Someday, someday you have to listen to that. Yeah, it's, there's a resistance to change, but at the same time, there are these big holes. The same things were happening at every firm. And, um, you know, I, that, you know, kind of a long answer to your question there, there's so much opportunity there to help them, um, I guess, evolve as entrepreneurs themselves. But accountants know everything. I'm not sure what you value could bring to them because we are so smart. Well, it, yes. So, <laughs> yes, you are. I'm, I'm you just are joking. But that's how we think, right? How do you how do you get yeah. how do you crack that nut to get in there and and make them do that? What's what's your little skill set or secret that you do to give them that aha moment? I don't think everyone, um, you know, every accounting firm is ready for that. Glenn, to be honest, I think some there are some that still just feel like compliance is the end all be all. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of them that still think that way. But I think where the aha moment comes is when someone has finally seen the light that the firm is bigger than them and that they need to to um, collect and surround themselves with people who have other skill sets to bring to the table and that that's what's really going to get that firm to the next level. Those are the accounting firms that I love to work with and where we can make a big difference. And Janelle, do you think that that probably holds true across, you know, many industries? It's not just the accounting oh, yeah. industry. 
absolutely. 100%. I mean, one of the things that you guys talk about too, and I, this so resonates with me. It's so easy for any entrepreneur, no matter what your business is to, to, you start with this spark because you know, there's something in your DNA that's driving you and you get into it and you've got this passion on all of a sudden you're doing business, right? As you guys say, and you're doing business and you're in a grind and you're in a grind and you don't stop to be strategic. You cannot get out of your own way and you burn out. So I don't think it's just the accounting profession. I think it's any entrepreneurial venture, you know, kind of a cautionary tale. I think that's probably the key to this thing is, you know, accountants, CPA firms, you know, EA firms, whatever they're advising all their, you know, you have one firm that will represent, you know, a few hundred clients that part where they're just sitting there going, watching their clients be successful, helping their clients be successful. And they're not able to figure that out themselves. And, and the cool part about it is when you realize, you know, the relationships that you have as an entrepreneur, whether they be, you know, family, friends, centers of influence, clients, whomever, but those relationships, if you um, be a, a really good friend, you'll be surprised what people will tell you and they all want to help. How In your line of work and in, in your journey, how, how much were those relationships helpful for you or were you just a prodigy and just knew it all on your own? <laughs> like Glenn. Well, you know right. It's funny because I'm the oldest child in my family. So of course I know everything and I all, I have to figure it all out on my own. Right. And I have to fall down and get back up 97 times. And that's how I learn. I always learn the hard way. It's always been that way. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, there are, um, I think it's really important to surround yourself always with positivity and to be able to separate anybody out who's toxic or who doesn't believe in you. But I think it's really important to surround yourself with friends, with family that, and, and with a good peer network that you can bounce ideas off of um, and that will help guide you and shape you and not be afraid to tell you when you do need to get out of your own way. So yeah, that, that network you surround yourself with is a huge part of your journey and your success. How, how long did it take you to, or even did you have like a shell where you're just like, okay, I'm in the quantum of solace and I got to figure this thing out. How long were you in that stage before you said, wait a minute, I've got to branch out and talk to people because I just need to get different perspectives. Was that uh, right away? Did you jump right in and do that? Or did that take a while for you to figure that out? You know, I, I, that's kind of a, that's kind of a tough question to answer for that. So, um, as far as God, you know, people are, I've always needed to, you know, validate ideas and things like that for, for people around me. I never hesitate to get, you know, second opinions, et cetera, um, with not only, you know, businesses that I've, I've owned and been involved with, but really my entire professional journey. Um, but I, I'm also a doer, so I'll get an idea and then I run with it. And then I might, you know, if I fall down and scrape my knee, I get back up and I'm going to, you know, really kind of look at people around me and say, okay, what did I do? Help me figure out what I did wrong or what I did right. So I, I think that just kind of depends on the part of the journey that I've, that I've been in, if that makes sense. Well, you know, some people are outgoing and they'll talk about anything to anything or anyone. They'll talk to a wall. Um, you seem like you're a very reserved, quiet, introverted type person. So it's probably <laughs> hard for you to go out and find that information. But, you know, it's a lot easier for people that are, you know, external and, and, and can communicate well, do you feel like then, and on, on that particular point that 
you kind of just naturally did that right off the top? You didn't have to have an aha moment or you were just communicating with everybody the whole time? No, I think there, there does have to be a bit of an aha moment. I think back to, um, back in 2010, (laughs) I was, I was newly uh, divorced, single mom, single parent. My kids were young. And, um, I, that was my first big, um, entrepreneurial venture. And it was a huge venture. Um, I raised a lot of money to start a software company. Um, and it was a big failure after about four years and, um, well, longer than that actually, but anyhow, um, it, it, you know, my ego is so bruised by that. And I think hindsight's always 2020, but I think sometimes it takes something like that to go back and ask people that maybe you just kind of, uh, you know, or to go back and collect, what did I do wrong? And, and to really get some outside opinions, some people that were on the outside looking in versus me, who is so on the inside looking out to really kind of help me understand what didn't go right and, and how to pivot to not, you know, have that experience again, if that makes sense. Totally. So you're, you're suggesting that, um, you have to literally fall on your face to recognize that point in life where you have to make the pivot to do something different. And, you know, you just said a very dirty word that we don't use in entrepreneurial world. We never say failure ever. We say a uh, setback, we say a new opportunity, we say a uh, changing direction, we say pivot. So yeah. we're not allowed to use that word anymore. It scares people. because we. You, I like to uh, say fail forward. There, well, But even that's not good because we can ne- we never fail because we're just trying to figure it out. And as you're right. trying to figure it out as an entrepreneur, you, you never, if you think you're going to fail, well, then you're never going to try. So it right. has to be like, hey, well, this might didn't work out. Let's try something else. But you think probably that that experience probably gave you the savvy and the understanding and the, the context probably to nuke your new next adventure. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for isn't sure. That, I mean, it definitely shaped me. Isn't that horrible? You have to go through that, but that's just life, right? Life's hard. If it was easier, yeah. everybody would do it. It so is, now, but yeah, Julie, sorry. Have you had a mentor through the whole, like, have you been able to have a mentor throughout the entire process or maybe during that pivoting time was it, re- did it really come to fruition who maybe some of those important influences and relationships were? That's such a good question. Um, I've had a lot of mentors actually, um, you know, throughout my career. Um, and yeah, I did. I had a mentor throughout that particular pivotal time who was just a fantastic person. He was very high up at another um, software company that was very successful and kind of took me under his wing. And you know, was brutally honest, um, and just was there for me and, you know, completely no judgment zone and, and really did help me. Um, but part of it was, I mean, yes, from a mentor perspective, but part of it was I had to get over myself and get out of my own way, as you would say, and pick myself up and go, okay, there's still that big entrepreneurial spark in me. What did I learn from this experience that will shape how I move forward in my future and help me enjoy this journey a little bit differently. So mentors have always been a big part of my world for sure. And do you still have that relationship today with that person? You know, I have not, uh, he's moved on from his company. And so I haven't, um, I wouldn't say that we've got like that type of a mentor relationship today. Mm-hmm. One on that mentor, you know, it's, it's funny how people can come in and out of your life uh, as you go through, go through life 
when you this mentor person that we all probably have had one the onus to start that conversation or to start that mentoring process was it for you with this person is it something they saw you struggle and they asked you if you needed help or is it some a point in time where you just like i just need to talk to somebody and that person was available which way was that for you such a great question so this was kind of a weird scenario um, so I was starting to gain some traction in um, the the city that I used to live in. I, I used to live in um, St. Louis, Missouri, and I was starting to um, gain some traction, get out there and, and become the company was becoming known. And um, he just found me on LinkedIn and really took me under his wing. It was it's a very good entrepreneurial community in St. Louis um, and, and just, you know, by the grace of God, he found me online in on LinkedIn and said, Hey, um, I see what you're doing. I like what you're doing. I think it's cool. I want to learn more about it. Um, been there, done that. Uh, let's go to lunch. And I thought, well, this is kind of strange. This person out of the blue, I don't know you. I very much know who you are and I know your company, but what? That's crazy. And, uh, it was very crazy. <laughs> and it really started a, a good, you know, we met regularly and he was a great mentor to me. Um, you know, and, and cause there's a lot of challenges when you're, when you're starting up. Well, I think the the crazy thing is uh, something that I learned and and something we try to talk to all our clients on is that at some point it goes against human nature to trust somebody and Mm -hmm. to trust some, especially somebody you don't know, but gosh darn it, sometimes when you do it, it's awesome, right? And you could have just said, ignored that request and said, I'm not going to do it. But for some reason, you just said, what have I got to lose? I mean, that's a exactly. that's a big deal because it's hard, especially for a chick to do that. Some random guy on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. that's hard to do. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, let's see what happens. And then next thing you know, it turns out to be a noble guy helping out. Yep. And was that person that you probably needed because you just didn't have anybody else? Because do you yeah. find as an entrepreneur that it's hard to find people that um, you can, uh, you know, commiserate and lament with because you can't go around and telling, you know, kids and close friends and family that, you know, you made a million dollars and you can't go tell them that you lost a million dollars, right? That how do you, how do you find who's that person for you that you have in that tree of trust that you get to kind of share those ups and downs where that's your highest of highs and lowest of lows, but you don't, it's you can't let other people see that because it, they'll judge you in a certain way and it gets awkward, right? Who who does that for yeah. you? Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, it's it's truly this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's my husband's. Like he's my no judgment zone, and he's also the one that you know. Sometimes when you have to have those moments, that he's like, okay, get over yourself. It's gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. Um, but I think you know, kind of back to your statement about the people that kind of come in and out in those seasons in your life, that kind of really kind of helps shape your journey. And I think ultimately those people are so critical, but ultimately, you know, what you really want to get to as an entrepreneur is, is kind of being able to recognize and understand what your own individual superpower is. Because even if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you know, you, you go down the path of one business or another business and you're just doing business versus growing a business, you know that there's a spark there. You know that you own, you want to own and build something, but you don't always know like what your gift is. And I think that a lot of times the importance of having a mentor kind of comes down to that because they do kind of help you over time discover 
what your superpower is and what your gift is that you have to offer. And at that point, that's when you can really begin to enjoy the journey. And, and you know, that's kind of, that's where I'm at right now. What is your superpower? <laughs> um, well, my, I believe my superpower is being able to take a, a company's vision um, and be able to translate that into their brand story and the message that attracts the clients that they want. And I, I think that's, that is what I've identified as my superpower. Julie, would you agree with that assessment? I yes. think that's a good superpower, Janelle. It is. And, <laughs> and the reason I know that is because we brought Julian on our, t- or uh, Janelle in on our team a few months ago, and it has been just a wonderful uh, experience to be able to take all the stuff that's in, in our head, uh, kind of vomit that up over onto the table here. And Janelle goes, <laughs> oh yeah, I got that. And next thing you know, she puts it back and it's like, you get it. That's exactly what we're trying to say. And it, it is a really good superpower. So we thank you for that because that, that is a, that is a skill set because there's a lot in our heads to say as entrepreneurs and it's hard for somebody to be the decoder ring for that. So, so sure. yes, I would agree with that. I'm not sure what my superpower is. It's probably running a 10 key. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Julie, what's your superpower? No, I think Julie does the 10 key, right? Yeah, no. mine's definitely the 10 key to use to like prop up something. It's like the different uses for the 10 key, not the actual actual use of it, I think. Um, Janelle, so as you've went through this entire journey and you think about where you're going and you've been able to identify you know, what your superpower is, what is your dream from taking that superpower? Is it to really focus in on an industry? Do you just want to open the whole thing up? What do you, what do you see in your future? That's a really great question, Julie, because I think about that a lot. And, you know, I think right now, and I think that could evolve too, right? But right now I am so just passionate about, I've let this fire in me about what is happening in the accounting profession. It's, you know, I see firms out there that are just stuck. They're stuck and they know that there has to be a transition to becoming business advisors because there's so many small businesses out there that need firms. And I think that they're stuck because they don't know how to um, communicate their vision and how to create a brand that makes them a little bit different and how to attract the clients because automatically firms think, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not, I don't want to be a salesperson. But they don't have to be. They need a sales skill set. That doesn't mean they have to be salesy. And so, you know, I, I think my dream too is you know, I I really like to be able to help businesses grow in that respect. Um, you know, the software company that I work with tax exact, I love being able to create the messaging and the marketing strategy to help them evolve and grow. And I want to be able to do that for, you know, in, in the accounting profession to really ultimately change the accounting profession so that it's attracting more people so that there isn't a talent shortage so that accounting firms feel like, Hey, I can go out and hire someone who has a business background or a marketing background or an engineering background, I see the profession shifting. And I just, I want to be the part of that that helps communicate the brand story of these firms who are ready and willing to make that shift. That's a great answer. You said a key word multiple times, and I kind of wanted to throw that word back at you because it's a word that you and I have thrown around too. It's evolve. And I mm-hmm. think, do you think being able to evolve as an entrepreneur has really led you to be able to be successful and see that vision, understand your superpower, and even be able to have those dreams? Absolutely. Because, you know, I think that a, a lot of companies that are stuck in their ways, 
it's because it comes from a place of fear, right? It's a place of, okay, I've always done it this way and it's worked. I've never really fallen on my face and I'm scared to death to do that. But I've been there. I have, you know, made mistakes and fallen on my face and I've picked myself back up and recreated something awesome. And so, yeah, a hundred percent. I agree that that adds a lot of perspective. So one of the traits that we, that I guess I get to see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs is they're, they're very stubborn, but they're very resilient because they are doggedly going to pursue their passion whether it's right or wrong, they dig in and that's, they're, they're, a, they're a pit bull grabbing onto it. And literally the key with an entrepreneur is to get into them before they grab onto the sinking ship. If they just did a little pivot, it could change. Um, do you feel like for you that that pivot had to happen where you had to watch that kind of go down or do you feel like you would have been better if you'd have got it earlier? Would you have even listened on your last endeavor that you had? What, mm-hmm. what do you think, you know, because there's different stages when people have that moment, right? They have to hit rock bottom. They have to hit partway. They get nervous, but they're very resilient and, and they'll try something else. But it, what, le, what point was that for you that like, what stage was that? Was it like burning in the effigies of hell or was it like hanging out at the beginning? Yeah. Um, you know, I think probably maybe I developed that relationship with my mentor a little too late in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of what you're asking yeah, about? But, and I, yeah, I guess that the, it's never too late, right? It's just at what stage right. did you go, right. oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's yeah. not the right way. Now I got to do it this way. Do you feel like you were at the very, you know, like, how did you yeah. pull yourself back up? Or were you like, okay, I still got some energy left. I still got some gas in the tank. Where about where you were in that? Yeah. yeah. Well, with that particular venture, um, it, I, I ran out of gas. My ego was bruised. Um, you know, the, my main investor was like, look, we're done. And, um, I was, it, it was, and it, he was also my business partner and I didn't have a lot of say in that because I wasn't the one writing the checks. I had raised all the money. Um, and I think I gave away too much say in what was happening. And I didn't realize that until the ship had really already sunk, to be honest. So that was a really tough lesson. Um, but like you said, you there, I think maybe early on in that venture, if there could have been some more intervention, like a business coach early on into something that big, cause that was a huge venture to get into. Um, that could have made a big difference. Um, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for entrepreneurs. If they're at all feeling like, Oh my gosh, this could get away from me or I'm scared, get a business coach. And I, I think that could make a big difference or find a, a really good mentor who can kind of be that coach. Because like you said, if you, if you intervene at the beginning, right, when you, you jump in as an entrepreneur, you get your feet wet, you're starting to go. If you've got that coach or a, a business mentor at that point that can guide you, I think you're going to have a much better level of success than if you go great guns. I'm out here. I'm doing this by myself. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make it happen. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. It seems like, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, the, the biggest question we ask ourselves every day is should we say yes mm. to anything? And the answer is always say yes. Say yes to the meeting. Say yes to the new thing. Figure it out later. 
But I feel like if you're going fishing, if you use a big old net, you're going to catch a lot more things. Mm-hmm. You may not want them all, but you're going to catch a lot of things. You can always say no after you catch it, but um, trying to catch it, that big yes is the, is the thing. And, you know, whether it's, it's rehab or it's, uh, you know, retooling or whatever you want to call it or the aha moments. But I think that it seems like an entrepreneur, they, they will say no a lot because they're scared and they're not sure. And they don't know if they can deliver what they're going to say yes to. But, you know, my mentality, and I think Julie's is, is like, always say yes. And we'll figure it out later. I mean, how bad can it be? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you feel that same way? Is that something that you've evolved with or you had that from the beginning? Totally evolved with that. So again, back to like being the oldest, oldest child, I'm a pleaser, right? So it was always my tendency, right? I'll say yes to anything. I'll do anything. But I've learned over the years, you can't do that. And I think what that really comes down to is if you have a really laser focused view of who the ideal client is that you can serve and how you're going to serve them, that stops you from saying yes to everything because you don't want all those fish. You know, you don't want to go out and catch a bunch of minnows. You want the ones who you're going to really enjoy working with and they fit within a certain persona and anything that relates to you pulling in those clients and working with them, you can say yes to everything else. It's empowering to say no. So Janelle, are you suggesting it's quality over quantity? Yes. Right. So I think my, my point, Julie, is, is the point that (laughs) when you first start out, most entrepreneurs really don't know what that all is yet. They haven't defined it. There is a definitely a point when the entrepreneur has that moment where they will say no. But up until that point, they, I feel like you kind of have to say yes because you have to meet as many people as possible, get exposed to many things as possible so you finally can gravitate to that thing and go, okay, that's the thing finally because you might not know. Like mm-hmm. you might mm-hmm. – like you, you said you want to do marketing and that's great. Well, how in the heck did you all of a sudden get on accountants, right? But you had to go through a bunch of different companies right. and different industries because you said yes, but then you figured out. And I think that's – you know there is definitely a point where you define it and I think that's your For role sure. – for clients like ourselves who who hire you or to be partnering with you, I think I'd rather say and be part of the team to for you to understand who we want and what we want to go for. And all entrepreneurs need to know that because would you agree or disagree? It's a trick question, but everybody who's an entrepreneur thinks, especially accountants, that we're not in sales. Mm-hmm. Is that a true or false statement? Um, I say it's a true statement, but it's one that I disagree with. Okay. Elaborate. So I think that especially accountants, you know, they're like, Oh, no way. I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to be a salesperson sales. No, that's bad. I don't even want to talk to salespeople, let alone be one. They're terrible. But I, I think that anyone who is an entrepreneur is first and foremost, a salesperson. But I think unfortunately there's this stereotypical persona around what a salesperson is. And that's not sure. There's some out there like that, but I've never been that. And I've been, you know, in sales for, like I said, 28 years. And, but I think when you own a business, you, that is your role. You are bringing in the business and you've got to figure out how to do that. That doesn't mean you have to be cheesy or pushy or anything like that. That just means you have to be really crisp on who am I serving? How can I serve them? How can I first go out there and add value to who I think my audience is? And then how can I solve their problems? And, and that's really what it comes down to. So yeah, they absolutely 100% have to have a sales skill set. 
Agreed. And it's weird. The, um, that sales skill set can only really be utilized when you finally figure out what the heck it is you're selling. Right. Yes. Because again, I, I like a flashy spark coat. It's fun. Slick the hair back, go out and, you know, wear the rings on the fingers and point around a lot that who doesn't (laughs) like to be a flashy salesperson, but that doesn't resonate with people, right? The message, it's got to be crisp and clean, like you said, and the one liner elevator things that you you showed us of talking about, um, Mm -hmm. those kind of things are really where it's at. And I think the biggest thing that I think we're all saying here that maybe we all just kind of circle it back and put it together is the on an entrepreneurial journey, the sooner you can surround yourself with the key people, you know, how to run a business, how to market your business, how to form a business, how to believe in yourself, who's going to be your mentor, the quicker you can put that group of people together, the more successful you'll be and the quicker you'll be successful. Would you agree with that? thousand percent. And, you know, thinking about that and listening to you just say that, that is probably the biggest missing link that I had in my, you know, large software venture that I had. I didn't surround myself with all of those people. And had I early on in the journey, um, I think it would have been potentially more success. It wasn't meant to happen and that's, that's fine. But hundred percent, I think entrepreneurs also have to be willing. Sometimes there's an investment to make in those people, in those resources. And but it's not spending money, right? It's an investment. If that investment is going to um, help you grow your business, I think that's another piece of the realization that has to happen. It seems to me too, these days, um, there's a lot more, the ability to connect with people, you know, used to do it over, you know, a bar, then it was a coffee shop, then it was the golf course, and then everything got kind of different. And now, you know, the ability to reach out to people and find people in the on the online community, whether it be in LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, it's just an amazing thing. There's it seems to me that today there are more people that are willing to help, that want to be part of it, because they already did it and they're so ha- happy and passionate about what they did. They just want to help other people do it. And that is the I think probably the coolest thing that you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, we always get the, you know, evil company, you're rich and sticking it to everybody. And that's just not the case. We're just trying to make a difference. And to have the ability to go in and help another fellow entrepreneur achieve their successes is got to be, it's the coolest thing ever. And I just, I see more people wanting to do that and, and I, maybe even volunteer their time more. They don't even want to get paid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with you. And it's crazy because it has opened up. You don't, I mean, with Zoom and all of the technology that we have now. And, you know, I think there are so many good people in this world and smart business people and entrepreneurs who are at the point where they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm doing great. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Let me, I'd like to give back. Let me help somebody else figure it out. Um, to your point, Glenn, I think that there's a lot of people out there like that. And, you know, as if anyone is listening to this who's fairly new in their business, that would be probably the number one tip would be surround yourself with people who don't have, or people who have skills that you don't and, you know, find them, reach out to them, network, meet people. They're everyone's willing to help another human being. That's the goal. And there's an, another thing, would you, you know, when you talk about uh, the entrepreneur's uh, superpower, for me, I feel like there's a point in time where, 
as an entrepreneur, we want to we keep our cards close to our chest because we feel like we have this idea, this thought, this whatever it is, we this invention, and we feel like everybody's going to steal it, right? And <laughs> they're all everybody's out to get me, so I can't talk about it and share it. Once you realize that nobody can steal your superpower, right? Like right. Superman can't take Iron Man, can't take you know Ant Man. Everybody has their own power, so they can talk about it, but they're never going to be you. So as an entrepreneur, once you recognize that your superpower is unique to you, you really, you can talk about it all day long because they can't take it from you. They just can't because they're not you. you. You've got the ability. Is that a fair statement? I would agree. Nice. I would agree. Absolutely. hundred percent. But I think you have to kind of get to that point where you do recognize that you do have a, a unique superpower and you have to also not be afraid of competition. You know, everybody offers something slightly different. And so, yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. To heck with the competition. We're the best. You're the best. <laughs> it doesn't matter what everybody else does, right? Um, right. So, you know, one of the think questions we get a lot, you know, we we deal with entrepreneurs primarily, but we also have people that have, we call them real jobs where they get a paycheck, right? And uh, yeah. there's different mindsets on both sides of those. They're neither right or wrong. Everybody has their thing. But for people that some people are born entrepreneurs and they just know it from the age of two and that's what they do. They're hustling everywhere all the time and they just do it. And then the other people, they have this epiphany when they're working for the man and they're like, you know what? I can do this better. I'm out of here for you. Yep. When did you have that? When you said, all right, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. When was that? Uh -huh. Oh my God. So this is a funny story. So I told you I went um, to college to be an accounting major. And after two summer internships with what was Deloitte and Touche at the time, now I'm really dating myself. Um, I was in an auditing internship um, and, you know, auditing for state agencies. So you can imagine how exciting that was. That's the best. And, right. And um, <laughs> I was like, whoa, I can't, this is not for me. Although, um, you know, I wanted it to be for me, but that's what I thought accounting was. That's all I knew. And I'm like, well, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I cannot sit in a cinder block room with a 10 key and green bar and no one talks to me and it's not going to work. So at that point is when I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. I can do anything. So I changed my major last year in college to international business and went overseas and studied. And, um, my best friend, uh, at the time, well, for a long time, she was very independent, fiercely independent. She was the oldest of eight. I was the oldest of three. We were going to start a business together and, you know, rule the world. But again, being the oldest, I still had to seek approval. Right. So I went to my parents and I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be an accountant. I'm going to start my own business. Both of them <laughs> being boomers were like, are you on drugs? No, you're not going to start your own business. You're going to get a job like normal people do when they get out of college, you're going to go to work for the man. So what we do, it's what you're going to do. So, um, that's what I did. And, uh, but I always had that fire and I did, I went and I did the corporate thing and I climbed the ladder and I did that for nine years. And I just, even during that time, I still, I've always loved, uh, writing. And, and so I always did a little side hustle for an advertising agency, writing copy for ads and things like that. So I've always had that entrepreneurial itch always. And then, you know, I think it really hit in 2010 based on my daughter, I have two daughters and I, you know, they were 11 and seven at the time. And, you know, Instagram was just becoming a thing. And one of them um, had something happen to her on Instagram that was really scary from a parent standpoint. And that's what sparked my idea for, you know, to, to really become a full blown entrepreneur. 
And uh, so I think, you know, I've always had it. It wasn't like, you know, working for the man and I come up with this idea and I'm going to make it better. It's more, it's always been there, but I've had to take a few breaks in between to, you know, work for, you know, have, have a real job while I'm, while my journey is continuing to evolve, if you will. Janelle, can you tell us the real reason you didn't want to be an accountant? Is there a dress code thing that maybe, maybe deterred you as well? Okay. So that's the other thing. So the, (laughs) this is kind of funny. So my parents were, you know, like, okay, I just don't think you're CPA material. Well, (laughs) again, if you're a teenage girl, that it translates to, if I didn't want to be a CPA before this conversation, I'm absolutely going to be a CPA now. And so what happened was this was back in, you know, early nineties and, and you were still required to wear pantyhose. And so while I'm in this internship and I'm having to wear pantyhose all day, I'm so beyond miserable. I'm not sure if it was worse being stuck in a cinder block room with people who didn't talk to me or having to wear pantyhose, which at five o'clock I would go into the bathroom and rip those suckers off and be done. And so to kind of save face when I decided that I wasn't going to go down the path, instead of my parents being able to say, I told you so, I said, I can't do it. I just, I can't wear pantyhose for the rest of my life. (laughs) And my mom's like, you can't choose your career based on whether or not you have to wear pantyhose. And I'm like, I just did. And that's how Janelle and I get along very well, because I think that's, that's perfect. Boy, yeah. somebody on the outside listening to this would be like, what is wrong with this accounting people? And uh, <laughs> and there there was a lot of things wrong with it, but there is a certain proclivity of type, type of person that wants to be an accountant. And there's there's the tasks part of it that is really soothing for people that have that. Uh, you might have saw the movie The Accountant. I was I tried out for that with Ben Affleck, but he, he won because <laughs> he's a little taller than me. But I mean, that is a real thing. Uh, the typical accountant really likes the numbers, but mm-hmm. that position or that career, that industry has changed to not more of just running numbers. It's really about everything else, and that's why when you're saying in the beginning, it's not all about talking about. Uh, the numbers, it's about the idea, it's about the experience, it's about the wisdom, it's all that, the how, the why, the where, the shortcut, all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're probably trying to do as you have adopted the accounting industry. I mean, we thank you very much, but you could stop already because all the people don't need to know about this. Uh, but <laughs> no, it, we, it's, a, it's a, a well-needed change because we don't all wear pocket protectors, pantyhose, and visors. Um, that's right. Just Glenn. Right. Well, I feel like I want to be a team player here. Um, so I think the, the the next piece that I want to question is always a, a fun one for me. So you've, you've nailed down your dream industry because you just feel like you can resonate because you can speak both sides of that because you were one and then you don't want to be mm-hmm. one and you want to change it. But if you could pick your – who – out there as a company or an individual, would you just love to take and show them how to do what they need to do to be one of your, your dream client? Who would that be? And it's okay if you don't say us. We understand. You're not going to say <laughs> us? What? I, I, well, I love I'm working you with you guys. That, yeah. So I don't know that I can say a who, but more just describe them because, you know, it's, I, I think that it has to be somebody who's, who's ready to evolve. Right. Um, I think it has to be someone who, you know, a, a firm who is, look, I know I've got to get from point A to point B. Um, I, I know what I know, but I also know that I don't know how to get to point B without some assistance, some help. 
Um, and so I need someone who can take my vision and my ideas and translate them into a, a brand message and a strategy and a sales funnel that's going to help drive clients to me that are within my ideal client persona. That's energizing. Are you suggesting that you don't troll LinkedIn and look for these particular individuals <laughs> that you would want to do? Are you suggesting that you don't do that? <laughs> oh, you know, I love LinkedIn. I know. I, I love LinkedIn I know. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. Is there any other message that you'd like to put out there before uh, give yourself a little plug of how do people can get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, you know what? I just thinking about something, you know, kind of an actionable tip that would help other people listening to this that are entrepreneurs. I think that often it's easy to fall into a grind and to do what you do every day. And you're constantly competing with yourself. But I think that one of the most important things that you can do is give yourself grace and um, book time with yourself on your calendar to be strategic. So whether that's once a week, whether that's however often it is, I think that it's super important to step away from that daily grind and be strategic about you know, the journey that you're on and also to really evaluate where you need help and what your resources might be out there to fill those gaps where you don't, that you have in your company. Nice. And how does anybody get a hold of you? You've got a website or a, a flyer you send out or? Yeah. Yeah. A flyer I send out. Yeah. I, I mail out postcards. <laughs> no, I'm, um, so I think you can find me on LinkedIn, Janelle Sakura at, um, it's J-A-N-E-L-S-Y-K-O-R-A. And that's also my website, JanelleSecora.com. Um, yeah, and, and they can, you know, find me on my website and reach out directly to me, of course, um, anytime. Well, Janelle, thanks again for taking some time out of your busy day. And I know you've got a lot of stuff going on and, and we do uh, very appreciate it for you coming on saying hello. Enjoy the Thank rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too as well. I appreciate the time and I love working with you guys. All right, Thank thanks. you. We'll see you. Well, Bye. Glenn Harper. And Julie Smith. Signing off for another entrepreneurial tale. We'll talk to you guys soon. At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula. How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.